Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Yep. And welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. My name is John. Hey, it's Dugo over here. What's going on, folks? Hope you guys are tapping in again with those head tops. Yo, I don't know if we're like a... Like, would you consider us a fantasy debate show? I'm not sure what you'd consider us. All I know is whenever you listen to us, you're getting some really good advice. Some kind of bullshit on the side, but overall, it pays out in the end. Hey, we come in every week and we try to be better. Yes, sir. We had the NFL draft. We come to you either excited or humbled. I want to review our list. And now that we have, you know, the actual rankings and where people went, let's compare our prospects. Yeah, man. Well, I feel like we can't really be humbled or anything. I feel like, if anything, I mean, like, the the places that these guys landed, they just aren't the greatest places. So, like, I feel like it's nothing on us. Like, I feel like... They just ran. They they just landed in these random positions, and so now it's more or less like you kind of have to go with your gut of who is the best prospect because it's not like there's going to be like a majority of these guys that are going to go in and instantly get like a mm-hmm. hundred targets if they're a wide receiver. Like I just don't really see it out of this group. If you guys listened to us last week, actually, we did our rankings. Um, and Dugo killed it with his wide receivers. Goddamn right. I want to give my guys some respect. And tight ends. I want to put some respect on goddamn Dugo's name. And tight ends. Don't his, get me wrong. His top three receivers were Jackson Smith and Jigba yep. at one. Yep. Quentin Johnson at two. Yup. And he had Jordan Addison at three. Yup. That's damn near the order they went. Did Jordan Addison go before Zay Flowers? I believe so. Regardless in fantasy, that's kind of where they're ranked. JSN is still the wide receiver one amongst, you know, consensus. Uh, QJ is number two, landing with the Chargers. And then we have Jordan Addison landing in an also great spot with Minnesota, playing opposite of JJ, playing opposite of TJ. They got a lot of J's on that team. Uh, but my guy's looking like he's probably going to have a pretty productive year one. And if you guys don't know already, it sounds like Jaws is going to be at their practice facility again. The low down on your boy J-A with your boy Jaha. Yo, if you guys are not tuned in with our socials, please do that. Follow us on, uh, you know, what I'm saying, Instagram at the Gumbo Pod, Twitter. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's also Gumbo underscore pod. But, uh, yo, we live in Minnesota, and I am going to be going to the Vikings, like, I guess, you know, training camps, OTAs, all that summer shit. Hey, you know you know who guy who is a guy that uh, is out there that I wouldn't mind going out and seeing? Who? Dwayne McBride, bro. I'm actually kind of oh. excited that he landed there. 
Like, unfortunately, like, it seems like the Vikings right now are just kind of, like, overloading on all those young uh, running back uh, guys. Like, they have, I mean, obviously they have Alexander Madison, they have Delvin Cook, but they also have, uh, uh, he is... They have Kane uh, Nwagwu? Yeah. Yeah, he's the running back. Uh, he was out of Iowa State a couple years ago. Uh, he he's super speedy. He's really cool. I actually think that if he were to be on another team, he might be a two. Okay. So I don't know. Like they're just kind of loaded, but they also have Ty Chandler as well. He was mm-hmm. out of uh, North Carolina last year, mm-hmm. and now they have Dwayne McBride, who I think I think he's just a great prospect. And the fact that they got him, I think in the sixth or the seventh. Mm-hmm. But like I, I feel like where is he gonna go? Like I feel like they can't roster all those running backs and if he goes to a practice squad, yeah. I definitely think that he's gonna land on a roster. I really do. For sure. And let's talk about running backs. So last week, as we mentioned, we went through our rankings for wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks. I'm not gonna run through all these for you again. Uh, if you guys follow the pod, go look at our socials. We have it all listed for both myself and Dugo. Yeah. Uh, but as far as running backs go, I mean, you had Dwayne McBride ranked as your RB8 as far as the prospect profile goes. Yeah, dude. And he landed in, like, the seventh round, which I feel like, I don't know, like, it didn't give me the best feeling if I'm going to keep it a buck with you. But, like, if I'm going to go with my gut, like, I felt like this guy had a better profile. Like, I really do feel like he has what it takes I know that there might be, like, some concern with, you know, obviously his uh, competition and everything. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like this is going to be one of those guys that, like, if you want to take a risk on him, uh, you know, maybe if there's an injury to the Vikings' backfield or if you are a true, uh, you know, a truther, if you want to pick him up in, like, the fourth or fifth round, you know, and just taxi squad him for the next two years. Yep. And then, you know, just based off of... Whatever happens with, uh, you know, Dalvin probably going to get traded this offseason. Yep. But you're also going to have Alexander Madison, who's on a one-year deal, probably go out the door as well if you have all this other talent. Well, Madison's on a two-year deal. Is he? I thought it was a one. It's a two-year deal. All right, so you have that guy on a two-year deal. But that also, like I said, if you have this guy, Dwayne McBride, who is still relatively young, and, I mean, if you have him in your taxi for two years, it's not going to hurt. I think that this guy could get some volume carries after a couple of years. I really do. Where would you draft Dwayne McBride in a one-quarterback dynasty league with five rounds? Yeah, like I said, probably like around like that late fourth or fifth. I, I'd probably be... Um, I like that a lot. There's I, a lot of upside there. Yeah, just because I feel like that's just a possibility for, you know, like a taxi for two years that I'm not going to feel bad about. Like, he's probably going to get some carries at some point. I'm going to get hyped. I might want to take him out of the taxi so I can roster him, put him in maybe for a flex some game. But all he's definitely... You know, I like he's, the guy. I think he has a ton of upside. And I think that you're getting I, him at a good value based off of where he got drafted being, you know, the sixth round. Right. And, I mean, when it comes to the NFC North, you always know that it's going to be somewhat run heavy. You're always going to be running the ball. It's going to be those cold weather games. This guy is six foot. He's over two hundred pounds. This guy can run the rock. So mm-hmm. when it just comes down to those points and times when you just need a true runner, yeah, he went to school in Alabama, so it's not necessarily the north, but he knows what cold days are like. So Dugo, I want to press you right now. What's up, bro? I want to give you the list of the day two running backs that went. All right, bro. Because in the first round, we saw Bichon go to the Falcons. Yeah. And we saw Jameer Gibbs go to the Lions. Bro, the fact that he... The fact that... 
uh, Jameer Gibbs went the 12th overall pick. Blew the fuck out of my mind, dude. Like, I was so astounded. Like, Do you think he has to go ahead of JSN now? I mean, it's honestly, it's dependent upon your roster, honestly. Like, if you have, like, running backs for the future already, but you're kind of lacking in wide receiver, I can totally see a world where you go JSN above Jameer Gibbs. So, Jameer Gibbs goes goes to the Lions, and he has guys like, uh, you know, Jay Williams outside. He has Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, he has Jared Goff tossing him the rock. At Jameer's Gibbs ceiling, I guess, who would you comp him to? I mean, off rip, if I had to give you a quick analysis, I would say something close to what I would see in, like, a prime Alvin Kamara. Okay. I guess like what I would assume or hope that I would get. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's definitely some of he's one of those guys where like what we saw in like Kamara's early, earlier days, like where he would actually flex out to like the slot and he would do work out there. Like that's definitely something that I think we could see in Jameer Gibbs in these early years for sure. And I also think that it's gonna kind of help that he has David Montgomery there to kind of take a load off of him yep. when it goes to in between the tackles because, I mean, he does kind of have a slender frame. I mm-hmm. mean, he's 5'10", 5'11", 190. So, I mean, maybe the Lions can get him to bulk up a little bit and get to 200. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be really good. But overall, if you put too much weight on him, obviously he's going to lose a little bit of that twitch, which we do not want. So, all that to say... I would say you'd be looking at hopefully like a maybe a lesser version of a prime Kamara. Let me ask you a question. If you had to choose between Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler as far as having a running back on your dynasty squad for right the last now? right now going forward, who would you rather have like at their prime, Austin Eckler or Saquon Barkley? I mean, going forward for fantasy. I'm not talking for yeah. real life NFL, but for fantasy. I Honestly, going forward, I would probably be a little bit more... I'd be more comfortable with uh, Saquon Barkley. Really? Okay. Is it because of his size? It's his size. It's also, I mean, he's already passed his first contract. Both of them are past their first contract. Yep. But, I mean, it's just one of those things to where, like, I feel like Saquon has that draft capital of being one of, like, the 1-3, 1-4, whatever the hell it was. Yep. So that's always going to be attached to his name. So I feel like all that to say, Saquon Barkley is a terrific athlete, and I think that right now the Giants are kind of going to fuck him. I I really do think that they are because they're going to put him on, you know, like uh, the franchise tag or whatever for the next couple years. They're just going to run the fuck out of him. And then, you know, like, hey, like if if you have Saquon, like the next couple years is going to be dank because you're going to get a lot of volume. But he's only going to last a couple more years because he's going to get all that volume and then he's going to probably blow out his knee again, unfortunately. Like, it's going to be one of those things. Just pound it down their throats. Sus, but yes. <laughs> uh, the reason I asked that question is because I know there's a ton of running backs who have a lot of PPR upside. So I'm talking about guys like Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. Uh, when I look at Jameer Gibbs, I compare him more so to those guys. Um, when I look at... Jameer Gibbs, I kind of compare him to Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey uh, just because he has that pass catching upside. He may not be the best rusher, but he's very well could be capable of going, you know, for six, seven, eight catches a game. 
Now, when I look at both those prospects in Eckler and McCaffrey, uh, I see guys who have had multiple top five running back finishes, you know, in PPR leagues. And when I look at Saquon Barkley, obviously the injuries were a thing, and I don't wish injury upon any player. But we've seen Saquon, you know, and as a RB5 twice now. Now, obviously he's had that skeptical injury history. Every running back gets hurt at some point. They're running into car crashes 20 times a game. Yep. But ultimately, I've found that when you get those high upside PPR guys, they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of value. When you get those running backs who get a high number of receptions and still kind of hold their own as far as rushing the ball. So if you get Jameer Gibbs as RB two in this draft after Bijan Robinson, I don't think you can hang your head. I don't think you should be like mad or sad about that. I think that's a great value, and I think that there is a world in which. Jameer Gibbs ends up as a better fantasy asset than Bijan Robinson. I know that sounds crazy because Bijan's gotten all this hype, but if Jameer goes into his role and he's still getting eight to ten carries a game, but also eight to ten catches a game, I mean, shit, that's like having a Russian quarterback who's multi-dimensional. Yeah, but I feel like you're also not thinking about the whole thing of what Bijan Robinson is. I mean, this guy's gonna give you about what. 20 carries a game. He's going to give you probably five catches a game. Like, this is a guy that you can literally design your whole offense around. Like, when you look at the end of the day, Arthur Brooks, or is that the name of their... Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, yeah. Arthur Smith, the head coach for the Falcons, he literally was the OC for the Titans before he got the head coaching job for the Falcons. If you think about who the running back one was for the uh, Titans for all those years, it's not hard to think. It's your boy. It's my boy, Derrick Henry. This guy has so a t-shirt if, with Derrick Henry. I do. So if you want to think of one of the closest comps that people are always trying to put on, like one of these guys who's like, you know, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, whoever the hell it is, like the next elite running back, mm-hmm. I do believe the hype. I think their upsides I are, I, I really think that at their peaks, you're talking about, and I know Saquon is the easy comparison with Bijan, but you really are talking about Saquon Barkley at his peak compared to Austin Eckler at his peak. Well, and I'm thinking like this guy could be Derrick Henry at his peak. Like, I really Just do. a rushing threat though? Because I don't see Derrick Henry as like you, an dude, above average receiving threat. I really do think that Bijan Robinson could be all that. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I think that Bijan is going to be all that. Yeah. So, and that's the thing with D. Henny too. He also has three years of being a top five running back. Yeah. Like, the reason I keep bringing up that fucking stat is because, like, this is something that sh- not only gives you ROI on your investment when you're talking about sure. investing first round dynasty picks, but these are guys who are consistently elite. And even if they aren't top five, if they give you a top 10 season at running back, that helps your team a lot. Well, all I'm saying is that I just feel like. I just feel like Bijan Robinson is going to be one of those guys who can get you that top five, top ten running back for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just that's what I'm saying is I I also feel like he's not as injury prone. And when I look at Jameer Gibbs, when I look at his frame, like he gives you kind of that flex position, or he gives you the ability to do that. But I mean, Bijan Robinson has said that in interviews as well, that he's not afraid to flex out to a slot as well. Yep. So all I'm saying is that he can give you all those dimensions that you're thinking about Jameer Gibbs can give you, but at the same position, 
but this guy can also run in between the tackles. This guy can give you the goal line carries that you want. All in all, Bijan Robinson is still the running back one. All right, and so after our prospect rankings, you know, at running back last week, you had Tajay Spears as your RB2. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel after all the information that's come out about the guy over the last seven days? Dude, honestly, I won't lie. It's not great for my ranking. I mean, I won't lie. I still love the guy, and I still think that this guy, especially behind Derrick Henry, who the team seems to be trying to actively move, if my assumption is right, I think that this guy honestly could come in and be one of those guys who is going to be at least coming in on third downs. He's going to be doing some of the dirty work that Derrick Henry isn't out there doing, or at least giving him a breather. I think that he could definitely be a better subbing than uh, what Hassan Haskins was this past season. Uh, he's just a little bit more dynamic. I think he's a better pass catcher. Uh, maybe not a better in between the down or in between the tackles back, but definitely more shifty. The ACL gives me some concern though. It won't lie. I won't lie. Like I'm gonna keep it a buck. And arthritis. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier. You said that the latest person to do that, or the person you can think of, is Ty Gurley. Ty Gurley had a pretty pretty no, short uh, career. Arthritis, yeah. So it's one of those things. Uh, to where, yeah, he might not have the longest career, so maybe I can see this guy. You know, if I'm going to be honest, right now I'm kind of thinking, in, like, if I'm going to draft this guy, it's going to be around the third round, unfortunately. Like, I just feel like his career is going to be so... I, I feel like it's already spearheaded to where, like, it's limited. Like, it's already on the clock. Unfortunately, like, it's just one of those things. I, I love the guy as far as a prospect. But it, there definitely are some injury concerns and health concerns for the long term. So, I mean, if I want a guy who I think could give me some top-end production for the first couple of years, sure, I might take a you know a risk on him in the third, fourth, wherever he might fall. But all in all, I do not think that this guy is going to be one of those elite products anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. So if you guys are unfamiliar with arthritis, it's one of those things that kind of develops over time, obviously. Uh, If you have arthritis and you are trying to exercise on it, you're trying to play a sport on it, they typically recommend like joint-friendly activities. Now, joint-friendly activities are defined as walking, biking, swimming, not running into 300-pound linebackers. Yeah, not playing football, not It's the complete opposite. So the reason that it makes me skeptical is because this is apparently a real thing. I hope that when you hear this, that some report comes out that it was all bullshit. But coming from reputable sources, we find out that the guy obviously, you know, from uh, from college doesn't have an ACL. And then, I mean... And then he has the arthritis concerns. And if you do watch his film, I mean, it's not like a telltale sign, but he does tape the fuck out of his knee. Or he does tape the hell out of his knee. And so I just feel like all in all... Is one of those things that it, it could lead you to think that that is true, that the tape's there for stabilization. Yeah. So I it gives me some concern, like I said. Ian, Rappap- I, Ian Rappaport was the source, if it matters, and Ian Rappaport is the official NFL. Usually keeps it above. He's the NFL's, like, Adam Schefter. So what that means is that this dude is getting the shit out that NFL teams want. Like, he has a connect in every building. 
right? Yeah, like so, someone someone told him to put it out there. He's the NFL's reporter, essentially, as opposed to Shafter, who's ESPN's. Yeah, so like I said, I still think that he could be a really good prospect for the first couple of years, but it's one of those things where he's going to be working behind you know, a true alpha back for at least until further notice. And then along with that, you also have, like I said, the possible injury concerns. So right now, I'm probably okay with drafting him, like I said, third, fourth round. If you could get him in the fifth, I think that's an absolute steal. I like fourth or fifth round for this guy. Wow. I, I, I just feel like there's still so much ability. I mean, I know that he's behind someone like Henry. Mm-hmm. But I think that he does still give you a lot of upside to at least go out there and you know, he's going to give you 120%. That's just what this guy does. I mean, if you look at what this guy does on tape, when you look at what Tulane was as an offense, it wasn't much else more than what Tajay Spears is. Yeah. I mean, I've... he was a little bit undersized, but he made up for it with, you know, his pure desire and his strength and his ability. Mm-hmm. So I think that that translates to the NFL. I really do. Yeah, and for reference, I mean, Spears rushed for... Over 1,500 yards, he had 19 touchdowns, he caught, I think, 22 passes for 256 yards, uh, and a couple of touchdowns in 13 games last year. So once again, in 13 games, over 1,500 rushing yards, and over 250 receiving yards. Now, he was a redshirt junior, which is good, the guy was young, uh, and he had a really good... I guess game against USC last year, which really got him on. Yeah, the that was in that was in the Cotton Bowl. It was the last game of the season, and yeah, that's the game that I've always tried to hype you up about. We watched his highlight tape a couple 100%. times from that game. Tajay Spears played for Tulane. You only never watched the Tulane football game. Don't try to lie to me and tell me that you have. Uh, but he played on Tulane with Tulane talent and went for over two hundred and five rushing yards against USC. And he had four touchdowns on 17 carries. That's what I be saying, bro. He scored a touchdown 25% of the time he touched the ball against USC on Tulane with Tulane's talent, right? Against USC. They talent. won. They won. They won yeah. that game 46 to 45. Yeah, they won that game solely because of Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears scored 28 of the 46 points. And that goes to show you how talented this dude is. And that was mainly in the second half. But. To, once again, close this argument out, I mean, obviously we have Bijan and Jameer Gibbs as our RB1 and RB2. I don't want to put you on the spot. Guys, if you're listening to this episode, next week we're going to talk about our final rankings on guys. Well, they don't um, have to be final rankings. They don't have to be final rankings, but we're going to give you that pre-draft kind of analysis. And right now I think we're still kind of taking in the information that's being provided to us. But as far as Tajay Spears, I mean, do you have him ranked above Devin A. Chain or Kendra Miller? Uh, so probably not above those two at this point, but well, I, what I will say is I believe that I have, uh, probably, you know, okay. So this is probably like my top three right now instead. So it's definitely Bijan Robinson and then it's Jameer Gibbs is my two. Mm-hmm. I mean, with that landing spot, you just know production is going to come from it. Okay. And then number three, I have Devin A. Chain. I mean, cool. when you look at the uh, Miami running backs, yes, people are already making assumptions of them going out and making some sort of, you know, like a complimentary draft pick next year with a running back. Could see it. But I also think that this guy could be like their ace. This guy can do literally everything. 
They already have running backs that are actually smaller than him on their roster. So I don't necessarily think that size is a factor with Devin A-Chain on that team. He's also faster than basically every motherfucker on that team other than probably Tyreek. Tyreek. So it's going to be one of the, I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating offenses. I'm ex- extremely excited to see what they do. Uh, Devin A-Chain for me honestly went through the roof when he got drafted there. I mean, it was probably the best landing spot for him, and he went there. I like A-Chan a lot, too. And, uh, you know, Gibbs is my he's my RB2. I think he has potential to be RB1 over Bijan. Uh, but my RB3 would probably, I think I still got to say Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I know it's weird, and I know how much I like Kendra Miller, and I know how much I like Devin A-Chain. But I think with Charbonnet, he just has so much goddamn talent. That in any situation in which Kenneth Walker goes down or he's traded or he's dealt um, or something bad happens with him and the coaching staff, Charbonnet has enough talent to be a top eight running back for fantasy football. And I like A-Chain a lot. I think that Miami landing spot is really important. If you guys need a running back and you're drafting after, let's say, the sixth or seventh pick of a one-quarterback league, I think that that pays dividends for you. But my main concern with Devin A. Chain is just the fact that I think they're always going to draft complementary backs of bigger sizes who can get those co- those goal line touches, who can come in and get those maybe first and second down rushes after a certain point. A. Chain's 5'8 or 5'9. A. Chain is probably shorter than you. Um, the average height for men, I think, is like 5'9 or 5'10. So A. Chain isn't like this big lumberjack guy. And I don't think that he has enough weight on him. Uh, to make it uncomfortable to tackle him. He's not like a tree stomp. The guy's 5'8", 5'9", and 180-something pounds. Yeah, but I mean, what makes it uncomfortable to tackle him is his sheer speed and ability. His agility. I mean, when you talk about guys, I mean, I feel like you're still relatively high on people like Deuce Vaughn and stuff. I like and they're Vaughn. Even, and But they're even, they're even shorter than him. They even weigh less than him. So, all in all, I just feel like Devin A-Chain... I mean, he's just one of those guys that he's one of those middle backs that, yeah, he's a little smaller, but he's definitely not the smallest of the mix. He's definitely not the shortest of the mix. He's definitely not the, you know, uh, he has weight behind him. When you look at what what he's done, he's shown that he's had some pure strength runs as well. He ran the fuck out of uh, U.S. or uh, LSU. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things with Devin A. Chain. He's shown me he can be in every down back. So, all in all, when he goes to Miami, I just feel like he has that ability to take over Raheem Mostert's role or whoever the hell they think is going to be the one. I feel like it definitely could be Devin A. Chain that lines up behind Tua Tagovailoa week one of the NFL season. I really do believe that. I got A. Chain as my RB5 after Bijan Jameer. Charbonnet and Miller. I, I understand what you mean. I just feel like at the end of the day, when you can get a starting running back with Devin H and I feel like he I feel like he has to be within that top three, top four. I don't think he's behind the top five. Do you give size as much of a premium when it comes to wide receivers? I mean, I feel like size should definitely play more of a key in wide receiver than running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it also has to depend on the landing spot as well and how you feel like they're going to be utilized. Like, I feel like Devin A. Chain can be utilized all over the place in that Miami offense. When you think about his speed, his ability, 
the fact that he can also re uh, return punts and kicks. He can get you points that way too, guys, if he takes it to the house. Mm -hmm. So all I'm saying is that there's a lot of ability with this guy, and the fact that they took him in, I believe, the third round, mm -hmm. it just shows that this is one of the guys that they wanted. I mean, it was one of the first picks that they had in the draft, and they were able to get their guy. If you guys are in Dynasty Leagues, I would recommend that y'all talk to your commissioner. Uh, but potentially, if you're doing drafts like really early after, you know, like the NFL draft, I would recommend waiting two weeks after the NFL draft to do your rookie drafts because you get more information. You get players in rookie minicamps. One of the deciding factors for me personally to take a Garrett Wilson over a guy like Traylon Burks, who coming into the draft has so much hype last year, was the fact that Traylon Burks and rookie camps, conditioning issues, just performance issues, things that were just kind of unusual. With the Garrett, asthma having a flare-up wasn't great. Didn't know the motherfucker had asthma until the second week of his employment in the NFL. Just random note. Okay, cool. But Garrett Wilson was a dog. He was an all-around dude. He got drafted early, top 10 draft capital, came in, could do everything well. And that taught me a life lesson when it comes to fantasy football. You take the receivers who can do things well. The basic capabilities for you as a receiver include route running. So can you run routes? Can you create separation? And after route running, it's catching. Will you catch the ball if I throw it to you? Once you catch the ball, the last and final thing that matters to me for fantasy football and scouting wide receivers is your acceleration. Are you fast? Do you have agility? Do you have acceleration? Can you separate from a defender and create a 30, 40, 50 yard play? Do you have that game-breaking ability? And if you have those three things, I respect you as a receiver. Because as opposed to a running back who needs size because they're running into a car accident 20, 25 times a game, as a receiver, it's a one-on-one -on -one battle. And so when I look at receivers, I know I just talked about how much I like size for running backs. But my wide receiver one is still Jordan Addison. And I don't care that he landed with the Vikings. And to recap, obviously, we had JSN landed with the Seahawks. QJ. Kind of your dog, too. I like QJ. He's still my two. QJ lands with the Chargers, and Zay Flowers lands with the Ravens. Yep. I guess I know how big you were with QJ, with JSN. Uh, after these landing spots, I mean, have any of your wide receiver rankings changed within your top five? I mean, it's tough to say within my top five. Um, so for, pros for prospects, last week you had JSN, QJ... Zay Flowers, uh, you had Josh Downs in your top five. Yeah. And so one thing I would probably change off rip, um, instead of Josh Downs, or honestly, instead of Jalen Hyatt as well. From your top five receivers last year? Yeah, like there's last a couple week? people that I would probably switch. Uh, I would throw Rasheed Rice up there. I was super excited to see that he landed on the Chiefs, dude. I definitely think that this is going to be a dude that pops out, especially this year. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but a legend to be told, uh, allegedly Patrick Mahomes wanted Rasheed Rice. Allegedly he was really excited about getting him. So uh, to me, the fact that he is one of the bigger wide receivers in that room, he's a do-it-all wide receiver. I think that it's one of those things that with that connection with uh Patty, it's going to be great. Yo, okay, so I made a mistake. And last week you had JSN, QJ, and Jordan Addison as your wide receiver one, two, and three. 
Uh, your wide receiver four was Jalen Hyatt, and your wide receiver five was Josh Downs. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard what you said about Jalen Hyatt. I like him on his situation in New York because I think he could potentially just demand volume right. in that receiving room. Uh, but with Jonathan Mingo Landon as potentially the wide receiver one or wide receiver two in Carolina. Yeah, so like I would scoot him up to my four, Mingo. Is, and is then, he above Josh Downs for you? Yeah, and then I would throw uh, Rasheed Rice as my five, or I would maybe be, uh, vice versa, Mingo and uh, Rice. I, I just love that landing spot with uh, Rasheed Rice. I really do. Mm-hmm. But obviously with Mingo, he's... Definitely going to be like one of the alphas there, especially with his size. Not exactly sure what happens with uh, Terrence uh, Marshall. I mean, he's one of those guys who could absolutely be a dog. Kind of came on at the last uh, part of last year. I'm not sure if he's going to exactly transition over with this new regime, though. Especially with Jonathan Mingo being one of the new regime's boys. We definitely know that with regime changes, they keep the people that they draft. So with the with a lot of these people coming at the end of their contract on their wide receivers, uh, I think that you could definitely see Jonathan Mingo becoming the two or three this year. I think he could be a top five wide receiver this year. Top for five? rookies, for rookies, for okay. rookies. Okay, I was going to say, bro, that's kind of wild. So but no, I, I definitely agree with that statement. At one, you got JSN. Two, you got QJ. Yeah. Three, you got Addison. Yep. Four, you got Jalen. No, I got Mingo. You got four. Jonathan Mingo, and then at five, you got Rasheed Rice. Yeah, and then six, I'd probably put Zay Flowers. I just, that that's such a run-heavy team, dog. It's just yeah. kind of sus to me. Do you think anything changes with Monken at offensive? You know, I... I think that it could possibly change a little bit, but the sheer fact that they have so many other of those targets, like they have like six or seven Zay Flowers on that team. They have OBJ. They have uh, uh, Dotson or who uh, Bateman. I'm sorry. They have Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Rashad Bateman. Odell Beckham. Yeah, they have all those guys who are just about the same size as him. They do about the same stuff. So I just don't understand really the that draft, I guess. I don't know. All in all, I, I just don't see him as going to of one of the elite wide receivers as of right now of this draft. I think that he's an elite prospect in a bad situation. 100% in a bad situation. Even if the Ravens pick up their passing volume and let's say they complete five to six more passes per game. Right. Uh, you're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. now coming in, taking a certain amount of target volume. You don't know how healthy he's going to be, but you can't assume injury ever, right? And so you have Odell Beckham, you have Rashad Bateman, you have Mark Andrews, you have running backs out of the backfield, you have Isaiah Likely. Uh, you just have all of these weapons on the Ravens, and they're actually developing into a team that could be a good passing offense. You know, obviously we got to wait to see. But when I look at these wide receivers and I look at where they all ranked at uh, as far as, you know, being taken in the NFL draft. Now, when you talk about wide receiver five, Jonathan Mingo, he could be a dog. I'm seeing Jonathan Mingo go somewhere actually around like 2-5 this year in one quarterback leagues for rookie drafts. Where are you drafting Jonathan Mingo in our rookie draft where, you know, we play in a one-quarterback league? You know, like, it's interesting, dog. Like, I won't lie. So, in our 
in the platform that we utilize in Sleeper, you know, we're able to do, uh, you know, mock drafts with the this current rookie draft or whatever. And they finally land, or updated a lot of the landing spots and have, yep. you know, kind of, there's already been somewhat of a platform of where people are landing. Yep. And I won't lie, when I'm doing my mock draft and when I have the 2-3 and the 2-4 back-to-back, sometimes it's tempting for me to just mock uh, Jonathan Mingo and Bryce Young back-to-back and just get a nice little nucleus right there. Because, you know, you'll have the connection with the Carolina Panthers who obviously are going to be this up-and-coming team. They've invested a lot into this into these two at this point, uh, you know, with... Jonathan Mingo becoming what like the fifth run or wide receiver off the board, damn near. So I just feel like they're putting a lot into this guy. So I feel like that he has that sort of capital to where if he goes through this whole mini camp and whatever, and he doesn't show any signs of being a short, uh some sort of scrub, I think that Jonathan Mingo definitely could command to be uh one of the first wide receivers in the first round or. I'm sorry, one of the first wide receivers off in the second round. I agree with that. I actually think Jonathan Mingo got a really big boost from where he was drafted. That's where I'm sitting right now. Bro, coming in, I mean, we were talking about Jonathan Mingo being drafted somewhere around like... I was hoping like the third round. Day three? We thought he was a day three prospect. We thought he was a day three prospect coming into the draft. And I mean, we both had him, you know, ranked above, I guess, like the consensus. But ultimately, he ended up being... Second round, I think it was thirty nine. Day two picks, thirty ninth overall. And you're stepping into a system in which you have Adam Thielen as your wide receiver one, who's like thirty years old or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you have DJ Chark, right. I think, on the opposite side, and you know he's kind of a journeyman, I guess. But you get to come into a situation with high draft capital, and they just drafted a quarterback at one one. Yeah, they Bryce have Young. like Terrence Marshall, uh, Chennault. They have Sanders at running back, so they have somebody yeah. who they can, you know, hand it to 15, 20 times a game. But if you want to look at, like, someone who could really become, like, a true alpha for that team, it, you know, like, you definitely could look at uh, Jonathan Mingo as being that guy. I look at Mingo and I look at him in somewhat similar, I guess, like, ranking as I would have, let's say, Cortland Sutton when Cortland Sutton came into the league. One of the things that really shocked me or whatever, like, you know, like how they have like all like the draft coverage or whatever, but it was really cool to hear on the phone call to Jonathan Mingo that the GM or whatever, he was like, you know who we called uh, today before the draft started? And they're like, Steve Smith Jr. He's like, do you know who that is? And he was like, (laughs) yes, sir. Like, obviously, like who doesn't know who Steve Smith is, right? And he was like, who do you think we should draft today if it comes to us in wide receiver? And he said, Jonathan Mingo. So to me, it kind of puts nice. a little bit of a stamp on it because he knows who he is. And I just feel like I, I feel like Jonathan Mingo really could be one of those guys who's kind of the steal of the draft. Truly, bro. He played on Ole Miss. Yeah, SEC. Came from the same uh, you know, college team as, obviously, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf who are also two, like, physically imposing wide receivers. Yep. And so Jonathan Mingo, he's not DK Metcalf, but he's still bigger than normal, especially for today's age. You're talking about, like, a 6'2 wide receiver, uh, has some weight to him, over 210. And he's someone who's pretty fluid in his routes. He accelerates out of his routes yeah. fairly well. 
I mean, he's not the fastest guy. He's not a Jalen Hyatt down no. the field. But he has great hands. He's going to catch the ball, and he's going to get you yak after the point. And so if you get him in a situation uh, similar to where he landed, like the Panthers, in which he can see target volume because his target competition ain't Justin Jefferson or it's not Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Right, and if you can give this guy like a more accurate quarterback than what he had at Ole Miss because when you just look at the people that he had there, like it's not the caliber of what Bryce Young is. Think, or honestly, like a Dalton uh, or an Andy Dalton, who is the backup there now. He's good in Bryce Young. I mean, right. imagine Jonathan Mingo on the Alabama team last year. Yeah, that would have been pretty icy. He probably would have had a better year. And it would be more valid for you to take him, you know, in like the second round. But ultimately, yeah, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I think he has the potential to be that wide receiver five and maybe jump a couple guys in that top five at some yeah, point. I, I agree. Uh, but tight ends was a position you also coasted at last week. I sure did. You want to talk about tight ends? I wasn't too surprised to see that uh, Dalton Kincaid was the first off the board. I was kind of surprised to see that he slid all the way down to the 20s, though. I say all that to say, though, I'm, extre- I'm extremely excited to see that he landed on the Bills. What do you think he plays on that team? Like, is he like a true like tight end, or is he just like a split guy? No, just... I think he's gonna be one of those guys who's like a true receiving guy. Like, I think that this is gonna probably be the end of. You think he's the... like Dallas so, Goddard? No, I think he's gonna be more than that. Like, I think that Dallas Goddard has more of a blocking threat than what Kincaid yeah. does. But like, whatever you think that. Uh, uh, why am I blanking on Gerald Everett? No, who's the who's the tight end on their team right now? Why am I blanking on their name? Dalton or oh Dawson Knox? Yeah, Dawson Knox. Thank you. So, uh, so with Dawson Knox, he's a he's primarily a receiving threat. He's not much of a blocking guy. They did just sign him to a new deal, but I think that what they're gonna do is probably move on to Dalton Kincaid. Okay. I just think he's uh, one of the more elite re- receiving threats in this class. And plus, he is a tight end, so you can hopefully teach him to block a little bit more. <laughs> you know, he is a he is a relatively big body. He should be able to block a little bit more than what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, nonetheless, he is a elite receiving threat, so I wouldn't be surprised if he is just kind of flexed out. You know, made it play a little bit of a slot, you know. Okay, I like that. Uh, so when it comes to guys who I think are actually kind of underrated this year, I think Jonathan Mingo falls into that category. I think other guys do. I like Jalen Hyatt, but Sean Tucker went undrafted and I think that he was someone who got the most hype going into last week. Yeah, dude. He landed with the Buccaneers though, which I honestly think is a great landing spot because he, he landed with the Buccaneers. Well, he, yeah, he ended up signing with them to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you look at that backfield, it's pretty diminished at this point. Like, they don't – I don't think they have uh, Leonard Fernand anymore. But they do have uh, – remind me – or uh, Rashid uh, – They have Rashad White. Rashad White, thank you. Yep. They have Rashad White, and now they have probably someone else. But they have Sean Tucker, who's definitely going to make the roster. He's going to definitely be there. I, I wouldn't doubt if he's primarily the receiving guy now. And if they try to utilize Rasheed Wright as a down the hill or a down. They also have Chase Edmonds. So, I mean, they have those. That's that's really interesting, dude. They have so many receiving threats on the backfield. Ultimately, (laughs) like, Sean Tucker needs to beat Chase Edmonds. 
Yeah, I for a roster it, spot. I could see it, though. Because He's probably cheaper. Rashad White is already kind of a receiving threat, but they also still have, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, who can run it downfield. Right. And they can always sign free agents as well. So, mm-hmm. like, when it comes to Sean Tucker and what he ultimately could become, I guess you kind of hope that Sean Tucker can get better in pass protection. And I know that there was a health concern with him that scared a lot of teams off. And ultimately, I think that if all checks out with the medicals and this guy is a good football player, this is a great bet. And I really think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could utilize a playmaker like him when they're starting Baker Mayfield. And I got Sean Tucker as somebody who you can grab in the fourth or fifth rounds. And I mean, if your team can withstand that risk, which obviously it's a fourth or fifth round pick, so hopefully they, they could. Uh, if you're getting Sean Tucker in the fourth or fifth round, I mean, it's so cheap at that point when this guy just a week ago was projected to be a mid-second round pick. If you're doing mock drives just a week ago, Sean Tucker was the 2-5, 2-6, two, 2-7 two, two, in a lot of one-quarterback leagues. In Superflex, he was going early third. Now this guy is just going undrafted and he might not even be a pickup. Like, go get this guy with a cheap pick. And even if it is kind of risky, fuck it. That's what you're supposed to do with that position if you want to make impact. Yeah, I mean, I still think that he's still, like, a possibility at the end of the fourth, fifth, end of the fifth. Go get that guy, man. He, Why not? What are you doing if you're not? Like, seriously, bro, you're going to go get, like, the fifth or sixth tight end? If anything, you drop him and you get someone who does land on a team. I mean, it's still a roster spot that you can it, – it's still flexible. It's still fluid. Like, as a community, I don't want to see us drafting Sean Tucker in the fifth round of our rookie drafts. I don't want to see that. And I know a lot of people have rookie drafts this weekend, the weekend after, uh, after, you know, landing spots. It's going to happen, though, bro. It's hard to get... Like, give bro, some... I don't want to see that as it's, a community. It's hard, like, to, it's hard to put capital into someone who didn't get drafted, bro. It's hard. Obviously, the health concern matters, but the dude can play ball. And he's going to Tampa Bay in which, like, oh, they're probably going to have... I don't want to say, like, the greatest quarterback situation, so they're going to be doing a lot of dump offs as, right. as, like, an extension of the run game when you can't run the ball because you're down 14 points, but you want to get some shit going in the flats. Yeah, all I'm saying, dude, is he landed in a really good spot for himself, uh, but I, it, it's just hard because he does have a lot of other people who have a lot more capital in front of him. He, he probably makes a roster. I'm not necessarily sure what sort of volume he sees, though. That's just my only concern. Overall, though, I do like the stock. All I'm saying is I feel like your expectation of him being drafted in the late second, third, whatever the hell you think it is, I think that realistically I feel like him getting drafted in the late fourth, fifth round I think mm-hmm. is more realistic, especially with the capital that's with the stock. Where would you feel comfortable drafting Michael Mayer in a one-quarterback rookie draft? Um, You know, if I was needy for a tight end, I feel like, honestly, if I had like a late first-round pick, considering when you look at who the Raiders have on their roster for tight end, I there's, would, I, there's not much there. There's no Dan Waller and there's no Foster Moreau. Yeah, so I would probably feel a little bit more confident drafting this guy in the later first, second. Early third. second of a yeah. one-quarterback rookie draft. Yeah, somewhere okay. around there. Uh, and then my last and final question for you is, outside of these rookies, we you know obviously saw the draft this entire weekend, uh, but going into the new season, I mean, who is a current player? that you think fantasy teams should consider trading uh, trading before a rookie takes their job. 
So I guess kind of what I imply by this question is, who is somebody you should get off your team before that rookie prospect comes in and takes their job? And one guy that I wanted to talk about, and I'll just kick it off just because I kind of have my list of it ready to go. Uh, my guy I wanted to talk about was Cam Akers. Okay. So I believe that. Cam Akers is someone who's the current starting running back for the Rams. But Zach Evans is a prospect who got drafted in the sixth round. And going into you know the draft, people thought he would be drafted sooner. Um, so you would hear around the block or you hear on the internet like a bunch of different shit. But ultimately, he didn't get the draft capital we assumed he would. Right. And so I look at Cam Akers as somebody who's kind of come into the league and been somewhat inconsistent. I want to say he's actually entering the last year of his contract uh, going into this year. So ultimately, I mean, they don't. He, he didn't produce enough for them to really have a reason to pay the guy. And I think that Zach Evans is going to have a real shot at being the best running back in this room by the end of the year. Uh, when it comes to Cam Akers, I probably want him off my team. I probably want to trade him for like a third-round pick. And with that third-round pick, I would take a shot on a guy like Eric Gray. Lands with the Giants, all-around good back. Uh, plays behind Saquon. Go draft the guy who has the potential to step into an RB1 role. Maybe not this year, but the year after. Uh, so Roshan Johnson, if he exists in your league, at the 3-5 would be a great bet. Other guys, too, like a uh, I like Dwayne McBride a lot. I don't know if you'd want to take him that early, but fuck it. He's a guy who has potential. Um, but I think that one player that y'all should be trading at this moment, at least, is uh, Cam Akers. Yeah, man. I, so when I'm thinking about people right now uh, who, if you do have, which not many people own right now, but I would definitely be getting off of KJ Hamler and, if I'm going to be honest, Jerry Judy as well. I just feel like when the uh, Broncos put second-round capital again into Marvin Mims Jr. out of Oklahoma, it kind of stayed at a point that they wanted to make a change at the wide receiver position. Um, so right now I'm assuming that KJ Hamler is on the chopping block ready to either get cut at the end of this camp or hopefully probably traded in the hopes of the Broncos. Uh, but yeah, Marvin Mims Jr. coming into this team, if I'm going to get rid of those two people, I, I, I think I'm going to do it right now just because this guy's going to come in and pop off. Dude, Marvin Mims got drafted to, to the Broncos with Sean Payton's like earlier picks. Right. It was honest. I think it might have been his first pick of the of his regime. If it was I'm a not day mistaken. two pick. And I don't... Yeah, it was a day two pick. Well, they didn't have a first round pick because they obviously it for us, yeah. Yeah, so I think this might have been their first pick of the regime. So he obviously must have liked something. So all I'm saying is, you know, I I want to put a lot of capital into this guy. I mean, he he's just a he's a player from what I've seen. Like he's definitely a guy. Um, and the sheer fact that Sean Payton put that emphasis into this guy. I uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I really am. I mean, he he truly is one of those guys. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have the size, but he definitely could remind me a little bit of like a Stephon Diggs or something like that. See, when I look at Marvin Mims coming into a Sean Payton offense, I mean, I see. Ideally, when I look at the players actually on the Broncos receiving core, I look at Cortland Sutton kind of like I look at Michael Thomas. They have really similar athletic profiles. Uh, they're not too far off, I guess, on like size differentials. But I think that Cortland Sutton could step into a role and to 
you know, like being that alpha X who gets a high target volume, similar to what Michael Thomas got. Sure. So, like, do you bring up that fact because, like, you think when they had, like, the Michael Thomas offense, like, that was, like, their peak offense? Like, well, is that I what? bring that up because I have to bring up roles within a typical Sean Payton offense that I've seen for the past, let's say, five, six years. So, when I look at those offenses, I imagine, like, a tag in on the opposite side of the field who's a field stretcher and who can open up the okay. offense. So, when I look at a team on, like, the Broncos, I look at Tim Patrick being the guy to play on the outside. Sure who can stretch the field, and who has enough size to play on the outside. Sure. And then ultimately, when I look at a Marvin Mims, that role has been interchangeable. That at sometimes was Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. Maybe it was Rashid Shaheed. They always have, like, an effective well, slot receiver. Rashid, who can, Rashid or Shaheed never played under Sean Payton. I don't... He yeah, no. By then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By then. But regardless, I mean, you look at just a multitude of guys. It's eh? always the the slot has always been an influence in this in the same system. It always has. Yeah. That you say all that to say that, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. But no, you're good. I mean, you can even look at, at like a Willie Sneed, right? Kind of role. Uh, but regardless, I mean, Marvin Mims steps into that role, and we knew that he was explosive at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And what's going to stop him from being explosive with Russell Wilson and at quarterback and Sean Payton at coach? Like, no, exactly. And, I mean, especially with this new regime, I mean, they're investing a lot into Sean Payton. And so, obviously, if this is one of his guys, I mean, he was obviously a huge influence in this draft pick. I, I just think that, regardless, Sean Payton's definitely going to scheme up some stuff for this guy. And for you as fantasy owners, you can at least assume that – he that Sean Payton's going to feed into Russell Wilson's ear to follow the fucking play and get it to the guy who's <laughs> open. Otherwise, he's going to get traded again. So I think that they're definitely going to make it work in this system. And you can see that Marvin Mims is going to get open and probably get you a lot of points. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Saints also brought in, or I guess the Saints traded, and the Broncos brought in Adam Troutman. Right. I'm a little concerned about that just because I do have my Dol- or my Greg Dolchich stock. Yeah. But if you look at the history of Adam Trotman, it looks like he has been more of like a blocking tight end. And Greg Dolchich is definitely the receiving threat of the tight end from that position. Mm-hmm. I would say kind of like a Greg Olson. If you've ever looked at a Sean or a Sean Payton offense. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that Greg Dolchich is there to stay, guys. Uh, Adam Trauman was actually drafted by Sean Payton on the Saints, and in his first three seasons, he caught for uh, 641 reception yards, and he had four receiving touchdowns. Wow! So he was he was cool in the he, passing so game. So he still he, gets his options. He still gets his options, guys. Yeah, exactly. But uh, he did his job. He was effective, like you said. He's kind of a blocker. Yep. Uh, but that's just kind of you know, I guess. So speaking about the Saints, real quick, before we get off of something else. What are your thoughts about the Kendra Miller pickup there? I like the Kendra Miller pickup. Yeah, I like it too. Like, I am a little sussed out just because he does have to fight through Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara for carries. I mean, Alvin Kamara obviously could have the suspension for six weeks, I think. I yeah. think it is. So, I mean, sure, he has that time to kind of make up his mark and territory. But nonetheless, dude, it's kind of just. I don't know. Like, I like him as a prospect, but he's kind of just buried to begin with, and I hate that. Dennis Allen came up under Sean Payton, and under that system, you typically had, like, a multitude of running backs. Right. Sean Payton was one of the first 
coaches to implement, like running back by committee with guys like Pierre Thomas, Reggie Bush, and, you know, kind of so forth. Right. Uh, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. But, like, when I look at the system, I look at Kendra Miller as, like, their downhill bruiser. Kind of like new age Mark Ingram. Okay. And you have Alvin Kamara, who can obviously catch out of the backfield. But I think that moving forward, they're probably going to want to go find that premium pass-catching running back. And while I think Kendra Miller could have a hell of a year this year, I think that he obviously has potential. He could very well end up being the RB2, 3, 4 out of this draft class. But ultimately, I want to see what he does as a pass catcher, and I want to see if they go ahead and draft somebody to kind of compliment him and take that role. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I like Kendra Miller a lot. I like him not as much as Bijan and Jameer. Of course. But he's fighting for that RB3 slot between him, A-Chain, and uh, Charbonnet. It is. Okay. It, it still is for me. Okay. So, I like Miller. Uh, I'll have more for y'all next week. Yeah. But, all right. Speaking of next week, we will talk to you guys a week from now, next week, Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we drop new episodes. My name is Ja. Hey, it's Dugo. Appreciate y'all tapping out with your head tops. Yes, sir. Check out my melody, I wanna live good So shit, I sell dope for a full finger ring One of them go roast, Nana told me if I pass it be the same thing